Welcome to the Stop Pruning My Childhood podcast. A sometimes nostalgic, sometimes cynical look back at pop culture. Join us as we revisit movies, cartoons, and live action TV of the 80s and 90s and ask the question, Does this hold up or did I just ruin my childhood? My name is Megan. And I'm Steve. And today we are reviewing Columbo. Columbo. Which actually started in the 70s but had a resurgence in the 80s. They did, yep. And sadly, we could not find the sequel because, or the spinoff show, because I would have watched the heck out of that too. Um, But we're going to be talking about Columbo today. We have kind of a little theme going. We do. Little detective theme. Yeah, we had Chippendale Rescue Rangers for our cartoon, and now our live action TV show is Columbo, which you can find, by the way, on Peacock Network. Yep. Streaming. And probably TV Land or something if you. You probably have, have seen cable. some ones, yes, yeah. probably. Um, and then our movie, we are going to do Clue. Yes. The classic board game. And we're going to have a lot of fun talking about the, the history of the board game as well as the making of the movie. So I think that that'll be kind of fun. It'll round out Detective Mystery February. There we go. And on our Patreon page, we also have a bonus episode for... Uh, Valentine's Day. Yep. And that is a movie, Some Kind of Wonderful. That's correct. Which was one of our... Nominees. Nominees for Perfect Date Night Movie and Princess Bride Beat It Out, but we already did Princess Bride. That's right. So, so that's, that's, what's, uh, that's what's going on. And you also might be listening to this in March, in which case we also are going to have a movie in March that we're going to watch for our Patreon page as well. That's true. So, um, tune in and find out. Tune in and find out. So, so before we get into Colombo, our non-sponsored snack segment. Our non-sponsored snack today, chocolate cigars. And I found fascinating research about chocolate cigars. Now this is this is thematic because Colombo smokes a cigar. Yeah, if you haven't seen the show before, he's always got like half a cigar at least in his mouth. Right. Uh, and he's chomping on it while he's thinking, and he's kind of disheveled, and yeah. So we thought we'd go with the chocolate cigar. Now, a couple things here about the chocolate cigar, Steve. Number one, the chocolate cigar that you have says it's a boy. Because, it does. <laughs> so what's very interesting is that the tradition of passing out cigars to celebrate new babies yep. actually dates back to pre-colonial times with the Native Americans. Interesting. And basically, um, about a year from childbirth, they'd have like a gift giving feast and tobacco. Like a baby shower. Yeah, like a baby shower. And it says a year from childbirth, which doesn't make sense. That doesn't make any sense. (laughs) I mean, unless that's how they, you know, that also was the consummation, but that's still too far out. Or is it a, a year after? The, it says a Probably year Probably a year after. So it's like a post. It would have to be because well, they wouldn't know before. No, but you know, that makes sense that they do it a year after because in those days, a lot of babies did not make it, right? Like That's infant true. mortality was super high. So it might have been like a celebration that the, that the baby survived the first yeah, year. Yeah, survived the first mm-hmm. year. So tobacco was a huge product at that point and they would, they would get no... Our dog just tried to bite Steve's chocolate cigar. Our dog is cigar. very interested in the chocolate She's cigar. very interested in the chocolate cigar. Um, so, yeah, they, they'd hold this thing called a potlack. And uh, they, if I'm, I don't think I'm pronouncing that correctly, but blankets, animal skins, food stores, you know, ornamental gifts. And then, that sounds a lot like potluck. Yeah, I don't know if that's is where that it where comes. that came from? Maybe. 
Because it's spelled very similar. P-O-T-L-A-T-C-H. Potlatch. Potlatch, yeah. Yeah, I bet you that's where... I, I, that would be interesting study to figure yeah. out if they're connected. And Especially since we do so many so many potlucks yeah, in our church. we do. That's true. What's interesting is this tradition kind of got picked up by the colonists because women would be in with the midwives and the men would be pacing around and... Uh, especially with some of the more religious groups that didn't drink, instead of having a drink and pacing around, they'd have a cigar. And uh, the chocolate cigar had kind of two different periods of time where it was popular. Okay. So first I want to say that before when we did Cheers, we talked about candy cigarettes as well. We did, but this is a completely different animal. It's a totally different thing. Candy cigarettes are like banned in a lot of states and countries. Like, you're not allowed to sell them in some countries, and in other countries, they can't look like cigarettes, and they have to be, like, called something else. But candy cigars, I found this thing from the National Museum of American History, and it's a cigar chocolate mold. Interesting. From, it looks like one of those cornbread molds, almost. Yeah, a little bit. And um, so molded chocolate, you know, if you've been to a chocolate shop, we have one near us that has, like, molds of different things. So if you have a golfer in your life, you can get them a chocolate golf ball right and if you you know or one um they, they do one near us where they do white chocolate that looks like chicken wings and it comes with like a peanut butter dipping sauce <laughs> which i think is a little much but this is from the 1840s from the 1840s to the 1850s in in europe molds for chocolate began to appear so you can mold chocolate into different shapes and there was a huge classic period of chocolatiers from 1880 to 1910, where things that looked realistic were super popular. So they would mold cigars, but then they would really try to make them look like cigars, right? Mm -hmm. Or they would mold like, um, a, 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 I was going to say a telephone, like a shoe. And they would really, it's like that show, Is This Cake? But it was, Is This Chocolate? Right, Is This Chocolate? And then... Um, you know, it kind of petered out in the 19, by the 1930s, things were like a little more simple. So you have some people doing molds like for truffles and stuff, but not so much gotcha. like shapes. And then chocolate cigars had a resurgence in the 1950s. Well, cigars as like a gift had a huge thing in the 1950s, mm -hmm. but chocolate cigars had a huge resurgence in the past couple decades because you're not allowed to smoke <laughs> in hospitals and most people don't smoke cigars anymore and lots of people don't smoke at all and but it's still like the same ceremonial gift but like a twist on it right for it's, candy yeah so you can still do it and i think i feel like i've seen bubblegum ones too yeah there are and a lot of times if you look up chocolate cigars um that what comes up often are pirouettes they, they're like a, a wafer cookie with chocolate inside okay. of them. Um, but that's not really the same thing. No, the one mm. I just ate was hollow. Yeah, because it, it was, was a molded. Hollow. From... I thought it was going to be solid mm. chocolate. It's, it's very cheap. But I it bought was, it for like three bucks. That's okay, but it was it was hollow, which was still good. To be honest, solid might have been a little too much. Yeah. The hollow actually made it go quick, and it was pretty good. Well, but then it was, the dog it was good chocolate. It yeah. was actually better. I assumed it would be kind of like Easter Bunny-ish. Yeah. 
um, or sort of, you know, kind of a cheaper chocolate, but it would actually taste pretty good. But if you were a kid, would you have played with this like you were smoking a cigar? I would have done it if the dog wasn't trying to eat it out of my <laughs> mouth right now, and I'm not a kid anymore. It reminds me of, as a kid, did you ever have one of those bubble pipes? If you're younger and you're listening to this, there used to be little plastic pipes, and you'd put, like, bubbles in them and yeah. then you'd like and then you could blow and it would blow bubbles yeah yeah but 100%. it would look like you're smoking a pipe right. a little bit but yeah i would fake smoke this chocolate cigar oh yeah big Megan, time. how many times how long did i smoke fake cigarettes when we did cheers that's true <laughs> did we have a dog when we did cheers yeah we, yeah, did. we did she just wasn't she just wasn't she just wasn't available the at the time yeah. during the podcast she wasn't with us in the podcast booth as it were um so we do one out of five for the snack and one out of ten for the show or movie. And um, do you want to do raincoats? Out of five raincoats, what are you going to give Chocolate Cigar? I'm going to give it a four. Okay. It was pretty solid. I mean, well, it was hollow. It was hollow, yeah. <laughs> but it was good. Um, I mean, it wasn't five. Five is like knock your socks off, right? Yeah. But it's chocolate, and chocolate you can never really go wrong with. It was fast, which we know is important to me. It is important to you. And you can play with it. I like that, too. I like that aspect as yeah. well. So I'm going to give it a four. Four All right. raincoats. So... Raincoats out of five. Oh, we did it right on our first try. I'm very proud of us. All right, four out of five raincoats for the snack. Let's get into the show. Steve, I have to tell you, this is episode like 53, 54. I have never found as large a compendium for anything that we have done. Okay. As there is for Columbo. As there is for Columbo. And it might. What I stumbled upon can only be called the greatest treasure trove for a TV show I've ever seen. And I have looked at, I mean, not even just for this podcast, but other things like Strawberry Shortcake had a pretty big compendium. Trans- did, did we do Transformers? Yep. We did Transformers, right? That had a huge, because there's been movies and right, stuff. Right, there's so many So things. there's like a wick, like a fan wiki. But this is not a wiki, Steve. What I found for Columbo, and I did I did find other things besides this one particular thing. What I happened to stumble upon for Columbo, and I'm going to tell you, the, the website is columbo-site.freeuk.com. I don't know what... It's like a hyphen. Yeah. I don't know what maniac made this site i don't know if it is somebody with severe like obsessive compulsive disorder there is a thing about so i i was trying to find something for a snack we could do right Mm -hmm. and as a joke because sometimes i do this for our show i'll just put in like cheers snacks or splash snacks and we came up with like swedish fish right this i just put in columbo snacks and this dude has Every snack that Columbo ever ate with pictures <laughs> and notes about when he ate it, hard boiled eggs carried in a raincoat pocket. When Columbo arrives at a crime scene, his first challenge is finding a suitable place to crack the shells where the forensic investigators won't yell at him. With six pictures of different times when this character ate hard boiled <laughs> eggs. 
And this is just one page. I mean, it is... All right, so... Bef- it's extensive. Before we get too deep into these facts, let me give a quick summary on what Columbo is. That would be is. great. For, for anyone who's never seen Columbo, um, and, and you may not have, depending on when you grew up, right? Columbo um, had a pilot in 1969 mm-hmm. um, and a second pilot in 1970, and then it started in 71 and ran through 78, um, and then came back in the late 80s through like 2000, actually. Right. Um, he had a later run as well. Um, and so depending on, you may have seen like, I to be honest, I remember seeing the older Columbo. Mm-hmm. So like our first episode, which was from season one in 1971, was interesting to me because he was much younger than I remember. Yeah. But, but for those who that don't know, Columbo um, is played by Peter Falk, who this is a connection also to Princess Bride mm-hmm. because Peter Falk played the grandfather. Which is actually why we decided to watch the show. That's why I was like, oh, Peter Falk, Columbo. <laughs> yeah. Because he also came in wearing a tan overcoat, much like he wears right. as Columbo, yeah. right? Um, but so Peter Falk plays Columbo, who is a Los Angeles police detective um, who handles homicides. Mm-hmm. And he is well known for a few things. First off, as we mentioned, his tan um, overcoat. Mm-hmm. Which he always wears, right? And normally a frumpy brown suit underneath. Um, he always looks kind of disheveled. His hair is always kind of messed up. Uh, he smokes cigars pretty much wherever he feels like it. Like, uh, granted, this was the 70s and 80s, but he's smoking indoors all the time. Um, I, I, I was trying to count at one point how many times he was, like, tipping his cigar into ashtrays and <laughs> yeah. things across, all over the room. Um and he's also, he, he drives an interesting vehicle, which he's known for. He drives a, a Perot um, 403. Mm. Or, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, a, a, Pugot, a Pugot 403. It's a French car, mm-hmm. which is interesting. It was, the, the Pugot company only made cars for like 20 years. And they stopped in 1966. So it was already an old car by the, by the time this started. Right. And it's not like you would expect a lot of main men, especially, you know, drove like fancy cars. Mm-hmm. Like James Bond always drove sports cars, right? Magnum P.I. later in the 80s drove a Ferrari, right? This is a car that it's from, a, a like I said, a small French company. It's, it's not like a super fancy car. Matter of fact, the model he drove was a family car. It has four doors. So it's not like a really... It's distinctive in its look, but it's not a sporty, fancy car by any means. Which right. kind of goes with his look because he is... Um, he's well known for kind of playing dumb. Yeah, he's disheveled a little right. bit. Yeah, his catchphrase yeah. was, as leaving a room, he'd always say, One more thing. Mm. As if he'd forgotten something, he wanted to follow up, right? Yeah. And so the the TV movies that were in a series that we're watching were always him um, finding, you know, it was always him trying to find, you know, figure out who did the murder. But yeah, but interestingly though, the audience already knows. Yeah, this was not done, and this is very interesting to me, as you know, and, and a lot of our audience members might know, I, I'm a detective fiction author. Right, mm-hmm. I love detective fiction, and this is not. It wasn't. Columbo was not done in a traditional sense where you had the detective and the reader or the audience trying to figure it out together, mm-hmm. and then you have the denouement at the end. Right. Instead, the audience always sees the crime done at the beginning. 
Right. And then you're seeing Columbo put the clues together. And the denouement is more interesting in the... In, I mean, you know who did it already, but the denouement is done in such a way where he reveals all his clues, but it's more like, how is he going to catch the guy? Like, he kind of walks right. them into it. So, it's a cat and mouse detective It genre. is, yes. Yeah, a lot of, as Steve said, this is actually a detective show, not a mystery show. Right. And a lot of times, a detective show is a mystery show, but not always. And so, it's interesting to me, too, which, what's fascinating to me about this, Steve, is that I did not remember that about this show. At all. What's also Because I really, it was like on kind of in the background once in a while yeah. on a rerun. And so we'll, we'll get into our memories What's of it. What's also in minute, interesting but. about this from the fact that it's detective and not mystery. Mm-hmm. And very often you have them together, as we mentioned, right? Yeah. But it's not a police procedural either. You never no. once see the police station, really. No, not really. Right? It's always him at the, the crime scenes or going and interviewing people, but it's not really a procedural. No, it is in that sense a little bit like Hercule Poirot. So, yeah, this basically, this was created um, by Richard Levinson and William Link, and it is what's called an inverted detective story format. So how do how do we catch them? Right. Rather than who, who did, did it. it. How are you going to catch yep. them? Yep. And um, it actually... It's fascinating to me that it actually was uh, play first, and then they developed a pilot from the play, and they had different people. Um, the person who who played Columbo in the play passed away. Okay. And then they asked... And this, I think, would be a totally different, completely different show. Mm-hmm. But the pilot was, as you said, like a like a movie, right? Like a yes. TV, made-for-TV movie. They wanted Bing Crosby. And Bing Crosby at that time was much older. And he um, played a lot of golf. And he was kind of, like, retired. He's like, yeah, and- I'm just going to play golf. That's what he said. Basically, that the shooting schedule, because they didn't want him for just one movie, they wanted to make it like a series of movies. And he was like, it'll take too much time from the links. Yeah. So he didn't go for it. Peter Falk, and they ended up that being a blessing in disguise because Peter Falk, first off, was much younger. Yeah. So he gave them a lot more length of time to do Columbo. But also, knowing Bing Crosby, I don't think Bing Crosby... Columbo is so famous for... Again, acting a fool. Mm-hmm. I don't think Bing Crosby could could portray that as well as no, Peter Falk. No, I don't Falk think did. so either. And also, um, Peter Falk really ad libbed quite a bit in this show, like a lot. Um, that he would like sometimes. So ad libbing people think means like you're making up lines on the spot. Right. Once in a while, it means that, but a lot of times it just means like. It just will say in the script, like, Columbo bumbles around. Right, and, and you, so it's and his you gestures have to, and actions. Right, you have to kind of come up with what I'm going to do. Or he'll um, he'll say something, but he'll add, like, a couple words to it or whatever. But so a lot of that, um, a lot of the style, and he also, because of the character, Peter Falk was like, what if I just wear my own clothes? <laughs> So there's like no wardrobe. He just, that coat, somebody was like, that coat looks like it's 30 years old. And he was like, yeah, that's about how long I've had it. It's a really good coat. It's fine. 
Like, right. it works. Um, so I think that that was kind of funny. But yeah, there would be, like, this pretense of uncertainty. Like, he's he's kind of playing along that he doesn't know kind of who did it or whatever, right? Um, and, and then, and then it all comes out, um, it all comes out in the end. So this was actually, I didn't realize this either. And I think it might be because again, I saw things in reruns and, and the, the 1989 kind of reboot of it. Right. Um, from 1971 to 78, this was one of the rotating programs for the NBC mystery movie. Yes. And Which explains why they were short seasons. Yeah, because when we looked on uh, Peacock, we were like, "That doesn't make any doesn't make any sense." But they had some like um, Quincy Me, I guess, started that way too. Mm-hmm. I think Quincy Me eventually just became a regular show. Macmillan and Wife, McCloud, like Father Dowling Mystery kind of thing. Um, that one's not listed on here, but uh, yeah. I, Lanigan's Rabbi Madigan like there were a number of these and what they were called the NBC mystery movie was called a wheel series or an umbrella program so you're you're putting it under the umbrella of mystery movie mm-hmm. and then there's like 12 of these different ones that rotate in yeah. And some are more popular than others. And Columbo was really one of the most popular ones, obviously. And that also explains the length because they're all from like 75 to 90 minutes. So yes. with commercials, you're probably looking at a two hour. Right. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. And I would say a comparison, if you're like, what the heck were they doing with this umbrella thing? If you watch something like the there's a Hallmark Mystery and Movies channel. Right. And they'll have like... <laughs> aurora tea garden mysteries and there's like eight of those movies and then they have like there's one where it's like fixer upper mysteries and there's a crossword puzzle mysteries right so it's like that type of rotation okay that that they would have um so really that's uh a little bit about behind the scenes but i just want to go back to the colombo fan site for a minute it is called the, the title of this is the ultimate Lieutenant Columbo fan site. And my favorite thing is that I was going through the um, frequently asked questions. Okay. Mm-hmm. You can see Steve, how long and extensive this is. The, like there, there are like, there are like 18 frequently asked questions and there's probably about a page of writing for each one. Okay. So they have things like, where can I write Peter Falk? Well, that's obviously not been updated because R.I.P. He's been dead for about 11 years. They also have who sings I'm So Lonesome I Could Cry in the episode Rest in Peace, Mrs. Columbo. What? That's like so specific. And he, this person says, this is one of the most frequently asked questions of Columbo of all time. Really? What? Um, the, one of the other FAQs has to do with Columbo's first name. Now, this actually I did find fascinating. Columbo, whenever asked his first name, just said Lieutenant. (laughs) Okay? So he never says it. He never says it. Now, there's a mistake in the pilot where Wardrobe gave him a badge that said Frank. So a lot of people thought his first name was Frank. Then there was this person who 
also made a Columbo compendium. Because apparently this, there are a lot of fans out there. Okay. And on purpose, falsely listed Columbo's name as Philip. So that when Trivial Pursuit had a card that said, what is Columbo's name? And the answer was Philip. The person who made that up sued Trivial Pursuit for plagiarism. <laughs> because that wasn't his name. Because that was not his name. And very clearly, Trivial Pursuit took it from his that's, trivia. That's playing the long game. It is a really, that's you a long Because you've got to post game. it. Then you got to wait. Yes. To see a Trivial Pursuit pulls from you, yeah. then publishes it, then you got to play the game and find that question. I think that it, it seems actually that this was a, a trivia, another thing of trivia, so they were probably competing against Trivial Pursuit. Gotcha. They're like, Trivial Pursuit keeps taking our stuff, you know how I'm going to prove it? Columbo. Columbo. Is it the Columbo? It's the cat and mouse mystery. We already know who did it. Yeah. We already know who's doing pursuit did it. My other favorite fun fact about this, and then we'll we'll go to our break and we'll 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 pause for our break here. But my my last favorite fun fact, and this is the best Columbo fact of all time, hands down. There is a statue of Peter Falk in Turkey because. They're, they were doing a renewal project, okay? Yeah. So they had this. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna post this. I'll post this on our social media. Um, so, hang on a minute. I want to pull it up so you can see it. So you can kind of describe. Do you know about this, Steve? I'm aware that Peter Falk has a statue in Hungary, but yes, it's one of those weird things. Okay, yep. First of all, it's on Google. As like it has a four point six out of five rating as yeah. like a, it's a, a great tourist landmark. attraction, yeah. um, and what? there's over a thousand, over a thousand comments about um, and reviews for it, which I find hilarious. If you're a Colombo fan, you need to visit this place. Good place for taking pictures. I stumbled across this statue of Peter Falk in downtown Budapest. Seems he's a their famous actor. Recommend for Columbo fans. Really cool, humble statue of Columbo. Okay. Here's, from what I can figure out, they were doing a renewal project. It is very lifelike. It is. In bronze. Yeah. Right? And there's also a dog that he's looking at. It's yeah, this, it's the hound dog. He's a basset it's hound. It's the basset hound yeah. from the episode we watched. And he's scratching his head looking at this basset hound who's also done in bronze. The reason is that it's on Falk Street. Oh, that makes sense. So they put, but it's not named after him at all. It's just and the, the same artist, name? The artist was like, it's not even Falk Street. It's like Falk, I can't pronounce the second word, but I think it's like Falk Maripas Street. Okay. Okay. So the artist was like, it's Falk Street. We're doing renewal projects. I've been hired to do an art piece. Peter Falk Peter is Columbo. Falk. So it's known as the Columbo statue. But it's not like it's not like Budapest has a huge Columbo fan base. It just happens to be on Falk Street. The artist was a And fan. the artist was like he has he has uh people of our descent. He's he's descended from like He's like, I, now I don't know if it's He's Hungary. from, like, Hungary. Yeah. 
like ancestry yeah, Hungarian. Yeah, he's Hungarian ancestry, and so therefore, it's fine that we have a statue of Columbo. So that's a little bit about Columbo. If you are obsessed with Columbo, that Columbo fan site has answers to anything you could ever want to know extensively. If you're not obsessed with Columbo, once you've gone down that rabbit hole, you might become so. I became wait, a little bit Wait till you get to the chili piece. Oh, there's the chili a... Chili con carne. Legitimately, there's a whole thing about chili con carne and which kind of chili and which would be preferred. And if you wanted to eat chili exactly like... Yeah. Oh, yeah. This guy's got it covered big time. Big time. All right. So we're going to pause here for a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to get into our memories or lack thereof. And then we'll do our full review and recap. All right. We're back. I'm Megan. And I'm Steve. And we are talking about Columbo. Columbo. Who apparently has a statue in Hungary. That's right. Just like every... Go to Falk something street (laughs) and you can find it. (laughs) Um, I wonder... My parents have been to Budapest. Uh, Budapest are two different cities, actually, I guess, according to them. So I wonder if they've seen the statue. I'll have to ask them. What's interesting though is like it's Falk Street, right? Yeah. But it's not a it's not a statue of Peter Falk. No. It's a statue of Columbo. That's hundred percent. So it's like if you're gonna, like they were gonna like make a statue of an actor, but they, instead they decide to make a statue of the character that the actor yeah. played. Yeah. You get it. <laughs> Steve, we're gonna talk about memories. I'll go first. I don't really have many other than like, this is a show that would be on sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. And I didn't know that it was kind of the rotating umbrella wheel of movies. So that makes sense to me. Um, I was too young, obviously, for the first run. I do remember the second run and I do remember it in reruns. And my mom would sometimes watch them because she's a big mystery buff. So it was one of those things like, like Murder, She Wrote, but I really watched Murder, She Wrote um, until my mom told me I couldn't anymore because I was getting nightmares from it. But <laughs> Columbo, I don't. <laughs> so I had like this idea of Columbo, but I have to be honest. I don't think that before we watched this that I've actually watched a full episode or a full movie. Yeah. Okay. So interesting. Before you talk about your memories, let me ask you this question. Now, in doing this podcast we have learned so far that you had a monster hunter club monster squad monster squad club and then to hunt monsters right and then you also had a chippendale rescue rangers club to solve mysteries well the rescue rangers there was no chippendale obviously right right and so my question is, did you also have a Columbo club? I did not. Where he would fake smoke cigars? I did not, Megan, because Columbo's singular. That's true. You can't have a team for Columbo. Did you pretend to Columbo's be? Columbo's a lone wolf. He flies alone. Did you dress up like Columbo for I did Halloween? not. Um, one year, I dressed up as a detective for Halloween, and if you look at that outfit, I basically look like Columbo. Like, you would think I would have gone Sherlock Holmes, but no. It's interesting because, you know, I wonder if this is technically before it, right? I, I wonder if they took the Columbo's look a little bit, added a fedora for McGruff the Crime Dog. I mean, basically... Because he's basically dressed like that. McGruff the Crime Dog really does look like Columbo, now that you're talking about that. Yeah, the rain slicker, or the... 
Yeah, the, the overcoat, the, overcoat, yep. the raincoat, yeah. Or the trench coat, yeah. yeah the tr- that's that's the word I'm looking for. Thank you. Yeah, the the tan trench coat. <laughs> I'm a grub the crime dog. I mean, you know, man, now, man, and, and that's. Like now, when you think detective, that's what you think of, right? McGruff the a, crime a tan, dog. Like a tan overcoat, <laughs> right? Like maybe a frumpy suit. You think of somebody like down on their luck a little bit when a lot yeah. of times detective. And I wonder, like, it's obviously somewhat a mix from some of like the noir novels. But also, like, how much of that is Columbo impacting, like, culture and memory? <laughs> All right. There is... There is a an article, and I'm just going to read you what it says. After Columbo faded from the screen in the spring of 1978, a character who looked suspiciously like Peter Falk's rumpled homicide detective crept onto the scenes. Columbo the, McGruff the crime dog. See? I almost said Columbo the crime dog. I'm not the only one who saw the connection. No, you're not. A lot of people have asked if um, McGruff taking a bite out of crime and wearing a trench coat was modeled after Columbo. That is fascinating. I would not have really put that together, but that makes a lot of sense. Uh, the article is too long for me to read right now, but it seems at least like... It's a theory. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Well, we'll follow up. Yeah, we will. Um, yeah, so interesting. So my memories of Columbo. Okay. Um, I remember this being on. I used to watch this with my mom. We like to watch mysteries and things like that. Mm-hmm. And Columbo would be on. Now, I don't remember if this would have been syndication or it would have been the right time for probably the second run of Columbo. Right, because right, I remember him being through like older. almost 2000. And I, I, they may have, you know, I don't recall them being this early. I think they were definitely in that time period, the 90s, mm-hmm. and he was older. Um, but still, you know, playing the character the same way we see him in these earlier episodes that we watched as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I remember watching it, and I, I remember liking that. And, you know, it's interesting, like I said, now as an adult and now after, you know, studying literature and studying different genres, but especially mystery and detective and writing that genre myself, um, you know, he's it's interesting because a lot of your traditional detectives are known for being super intellects. Right? right, like your Sherlock Holmes, like your August du- Dupin, right? Mm-hmm. Um, from Edgar Allan Poe, Hercule Poirot yeah. from Agatha Christie, who's one of my favorite, was probably my favorite detective, right? Mm-hmm. They're all known for being, and Hercule Hercule Poirot is like meticulous, mm-hmm. right? So then on this, but now you've got Columbo who shows up and he's frumpy, unkept, right? Seems to be mm-hmm. sort of absent-minded half the time, almost like he's not like paying attention to what he should be yeah but at the same time then you realize that this is this is a facade right and he's it's the way he's he's kind of focusing on things and kind of playing the dummy so that people underestimate him yeah and he also i think talking about his wife all the time is part of that yeah, he mentions Mrs. Columbo, but in the Columbo series, you never see Mrs. Columbo. But also that um, that idea, because most most famous detectives, including the ones you mentioned, are almost like asexual. 
Like they right. don't, they don't, because they're such big intellects, they don't marry or date. So you have even like Miss Marple, another Agatha Christie, mm-hmm. who is the old maid. I right? was going to bring Miss Marple up because he's almost a little bit more like her. Yeah, a little right? bit. She wasn't so unkempt and foolish, yeah. but she would often be like, oh, she would equate things to like, oh, well, I once knew this lady in my town. Right. She was a lot less the professional detective. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and it it is interesting that you know some of it, like you said, does come out of noir, but some of it doesn't because the noir detective is like hard boiled and cynical, and Columbo an alcoholic. Columbo doesn't drink. He seems like a pretty easygoing, like, hey, what's going on? And he's got a wife who he really loves and talks about all the time. Yeah, he's constantly so, talking about her. Um, and later on, she's a reporter, and then she gets involved in some mysteries. Right? right? Yeah, they had the. It actually, it was actually after. It was in between the two runs of Columbo. Yeah. That they did Mrs. Columbo. Mrs. Columbo. Um, but yeah, it was, it's interesting. And that's a way, I guess, that he. And this is part of my memories because it's what I remember and what stood out about Columbo that I liked him so much. Mm-hmm. Was that was the way he caught people off guard, right? Right. Like, people are expecting to get grilled by him as an inve- as an investigator. And he'd be like, you know, my wife's always telling me this. And they're like, what the heck does that have to do with anything? So right. it throws them off balance, right. right? So let's talk about the episodes. The first one was uh, my pick because it had Leslie Nielsen in it. And it was from 1971, and initially, I think last episode I said it was 81, but obviously it was not. Mm-hmm. Um, season 1, episode 5 from 1981, called Lady in Waiting. 71. Oh, 71. You mixed it up again. Yep, that's okay. Season 1, episode 5, 1971, called Lady in Waiting. So we're going we're gonna to kind of break this up into three acts, right? Act 1 is the murder that we see. Mm-hmm. Act two is kind of Columbo putting everything together, even though that happens over a longer period of the show. Yep. And then act three is like the big detective reveal speech to the killer, entrapping them and figuring, right. putting it all together and explaining how he put the clues together. Right. right? So um, the first bit of this, it is going to be, well, and sorry for the spoilers, I guess, for a show from 71. Um, okay. We see Mr. Chadwick sleeping is how we open. Yes. And a woman coming into his room and stealing a key. Yes. So we see her beginning this process of planning the murder. It takes it took a longer time than I anticipated. It really did. Yeah. Because I thought it was going to be a traditional mystery. So typically, like you'd see her stealing the key. But then, like, why is she doing that? We don't know. Right. Um, and that's not really what happens. So she steals the key and then she plans the murder. So her plan that she imagines in her mind, which is interesting, too, because we get almost like a dream sequence of her thinking it all through. Yes. She's this is her brother. Yep. Mr. He, Chadwick. He doesn't want her dating the guy that she's dating. And he's right. kind of controlling her life. Her They're name both is very Beth wealthy. and she's dating Peter Hamilton, who, as you mentioned, is Leslie Nielsen, yes. one of the best actors of his day. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, Leslie Nielsen in a straight man role. 
you know, a lot of people forget that he did a lot of straight man roles yeah. before. You know, he was, most people know him from Police Squad and Naked Gun, right. which were comedies, right? And Airplane, which Airplane, was until 1980. Right, which was a comedy. But in his younger days, he played a lot of, not only the straight man kind of role, but he played a lot of, um, like, detective or like you know kind of and he was a romantic lead oh yeah i was gonna say ro- yeah. like a romantic lead as well yeah, yeah tammy and the bachelor is a movie with debbie reynolds where he's he's the bachelor right and she's tammy and here the too there's not he's not doing comedy no. here he's playing the romantic kind of straight man yeah it's, very, it's fascinating how people's careers change so what were some of your highlights from oh so at any rate her plan basically is and you don't really know why she's doing it quite yet i should mention that but you do so you don't have the motive which is part of the the second piece but she thinks in her mind that her brother's gonna come home from work she's taking out the light bulb of the front door he's gonna fumble around for his key and realize he can't find it and then he'll come in her door which is the back door Mm. when he does that it'll set off the alarm and she'll shoot him and pretend that she thought it was a burglar. Right. That's that's her plan. Now, I liked that they showed what her plan was because her plan does not go according to plan. No, she's still able to shoot him. Yeah. But it doesn't go in the order that she expects. He actually had a he had a spare key. Yep. Behind the flower pot, so he came in the front anyway. Yep. And ca- kind of walked in her room, but she shot him anyway, and then set off the alarm. Yes. And um, so what was what was some some key things from this first part? Like, what did you like about it? What did you not like? Well, you know, I liked that they set up that there was issues between the the brother and the sister. Mm -hmm. They have a breakfast the morning. The opening scene, as you mentioned, is Beth swapping keys on his key ring. Yeah. And you don't really know what it's for yet, but you notice it's done in a way where you know something nefarious. The next morning they're at breakfast and you see that there's... There's animosity between the two of them. Yeah. Right? Um, And then you're introduced also to Peter, her love interest, um, who calls her to wish her a good morning, things like that. Um, And and I did like, as you mentioned, how they kind of did a dream sequence Mm -hmm. of how this should go. Yeah, and what I was... Initially, I was like, oh, because I hate a dream sequence. Because mm-hmm. it's never real. Like, just what, what what's going on. Right. But I think it's interesting that they showed what she had been plotting. Because... Sorry. Because the fact that it went wrong is a big part of how it's how the mystery gets solved. Yes. By Columbo. So, I also really liked... Uh, Susan Clark here, a lot of people... She played Beth. Yes. People might know her from Webster, but I know her from the Apple Dumpling Gang. Okay, that's a deep cut. Don Knotts. She also played Amelia Earhart in a a movie about Amelia Earhart. But um, they they have a piece. So you could maybe guess what the key thing is about, but they also have a bit where she goes and changes out the light bulb in the front door. Yes. And I'm like... Why are they showing her changing a light bulb? And also, having never really seen Columbo, I really didn't understand that they were setting up what the right. murder, right? So, if you've watched a lot of something like Murder, She Wrote, that is set up totally differently where they introduce all the suspects. And mm-hmm. one of the people dies, and you kind of are trying to guess which one it might be and who might 
have done it before right. the murder happens. The murder happens usually about a third of the way in, and then the rest of it is solve, solving it, which right. which of the suspects did it. So I actually wasn't sure why she... I thought maybe she was taking the key. Maybe it was for, like, a vault. I thought maybe she was the one who was going to die. I didn't know if... I, I didn't thought know the what same the, thing. So it was interesting... It was interesting. It drew my attention right away. Right away. So then we kind of get into... So the brother's dead. Right. <laughs> she shot him. Um, Leslie Nielsen's character is her love interest, as Steve said. And he's coming over because he's gotten a letter basically saying, leave her alone or I'm going to ruin your career. Yeah, from her brother who runs the company. Her brother controls everything in her life, and uh, the two of them are kind of secretly engaged, but her brother doesn't know yet, and nobody else knows either. Right. It hasn't been announced. So he is there on the scene, which is another piece that goes wrong, because now there's a witness, and she... What's interesting, too, is that, as the viewer, you're not sure at first if he's in on it. Right. No, you don't know. And, and and you don't know if maybe he's coming over because she was going to plan the murder and then he was making sure that he was there right after to make sure it went right. right. And even once it happens and he shows up after the murder happens, like right after, you're not sure. I mean, he obviously didn't have any hand in the actual murder, but I'm always, always wondering to myself, like, how much is he? does he know? Yeah. How Did he help her plan yeah. it? Or was it his idea, right? Because from the way that the brother had talked about him, it makes him sound like he's a bad guy. Right. But throughout the whole show, actually what comes up is he's one of the only decent people there. Yeah, and really the brother's objections have to do with the fact that he's an employee at the company and doesn't make much money and isn't from a big family. Like, and he also, doesn't have money Beth like has she- a history of choosing bad guys. Yeah. So I think it was more of an assumption that he yeah. was probably not a good guy. Yeah. So she tries to she tries to kind of make it look like an accident and Columbo comes on the scene. Everybody buys it except for Columbo. Yeah, Columbo doesn't really buy it. He's well, the first thing that he know the first clue he picks up on is a newspaper. Mhm. There's a newspaper in the front door, like in on the on the side table, just inside the front door. Yeah, so she says, I didn't go out today. And he kind of, again, playing dumb, goes, oh, you didn't go out. You didn't go out at all? And she's like, no, not at all. But you, if you've seen the show before, you would know that's his thing that he's picked up on something that right he can't he doesn't know quite what it is maybe and you don't know what clue he's seen but he's seen something that makes him know that something's not right here right she is even though even though her murder didn't go as planned she staged it the same way to make it look like her brother lost his keys so he tried to get in through the side door in her bedroom and she thought he was a burglar and she shot him right right and Columbo's saying well Somebody brought a newspaper in the front door, and it's the evening edition. So if she didn't go out, like, how did that end up there, right? So so if he broke in and was shot in the bedroom... Now, he doesn't that... he doesn't bring that up till later, though. So no, you don't but he's know, asking but about he's it. he's asking yeah. about it. And it, it's also... Well, we'll get to that in a minute. But so then... Okay, so this middle piece where we get the backstory... And we get Columbo going through different clues. And then we get other people 
in their lives and we see this girl's actions and we also get an inquest, which is interesting to me. My favorite part of all of it. Okay, number one, the music is ridiculously melodramatic. I love it. It's like so bad it's good music. But my favorite part is that the girl's mother walks in. Now, I've assumed these are two adult children whose parents have died, but no, the mom's still alive. Yeah. She walks in and walks up to her daughter and slaps her across the face. After she's assumed Columbo is the help and tells him to get her bags and pay the cab, which he does for some reason. And then he goes, oh, ma'am, I I had to give the cab $11. I had to tip Yeah, and I'm like, and he's very persistent that she gives him his $11 back. Now, I've looked this up, and it would be like around $40 now. Yeah. Uh, Initially, I looked it up as 1981 money. Which would have been thirty five dollars, okay. but nineteen seventy one to now would be like forty five bucks. So yeah. you can imagine, like, hey, I just gave the cab driver, I gave the Uber guy a fifty. Like, right. I want to be paid back, right? But he's like, oh, geez, eleven. I don't know about that eleven dollars. But it also, I do think he wanted the money back. Yeah. But I do, and because he's a d- lieutenant, and they don't make a lot, right? right? But I do also think that this is, again, playing into the stereotypes. Right. That he's poor and bumbling and doesn't really mm. know what he's doing. If he had said, I'm a detective, I'm not doing that, it would have made him seem more challenging and yeah. authoritative. Mm-hmm. So he's just like, oh, and he grabs the bags and he tips the, dri- the yeah. driver and he brings the bags in. My other favorite part is that at the inquest... For no reason other than to entertain the audience. Mm. Columbo is sitting next to a person who could only be described as like still a hippie. It's 1971. There's still some hippies. And she turns to him and she goes, I'm psychic and conditions are very favorable for her today. And he goes, oh, is that so? And then the girl is found in the inquest, which is not the trial so she can still be tried for these crimes but the inquest finds basically that this was an accident right it's a coroner's inquest because there's no from the get-go there's no there's nothing pointing to this being a homicide right and so it doesn't go to you know a trial and it's interesting because through the whole episode the inquest happens rather early so colombo keeps showing back up and digging further in even though it hasn't been ruled a homicide So, but as he's, what I enjoyed about this show, Steve, is that as he's going along finding these clues, there are all these little small things to just make you laugh a little bit. Yes. Like to show, and so it is a good mystery and you're trying to figure out how he's going to solve it Mm -hmm. and how you might solve it if you didn't see what happened, right? So you're kind of like with him in that, but like at one point they go to a a drive-in um, drive in to eat the kind where you have car hops and they're like don't drive off with the tray and then of course he drives off with the tray and he goes oh I'm sorry ma'am yeah. I'll bring the tray back so that's what I kind of enjoyed from that middle piece uh, but also that this girl reminded me of Eric and Lyle Menendez you know after they, they killed their parents they right. went on like shopping sprees and stuff she gets a makeover. She is in a salon like I have never seen a salon. I don't know if they had if this is like how airplanes used to be in the 40s. You oh know my what goodness. I mean? 
This this salon is like gold lame pink everywhere. It has red shag carpet. It has chandeliers. It's Who like puts a spa. carpet where you're cutting hair. I don't know. <laughs> I don't you know. You can't sweep it up. You have to vacuum all the time. That's ridiculous. <laughs> There's a fashion show going on. Yeah, I'm not sure what's going on. There are on people there. getting manicures done. There are chandeliers and candelabras. LA is very different, it's a apparently. Lot. At least LA in 71. And then she dresses for this meeting like she's Peggy Lipton from the Mod Squad. She's got like a biker hat on, but it's pink. And she and she she's in she's restructured the board of the company. Yeah. She okay. took over quickly after her brother was gone. But she's wearing an outfit like a 1960s go-go dancer Barbie doll. And it is ridiculous. It's all pink and purple. and It's supposed to show how totally off the rails this lady is. She announces her engagement. Well, also... Her, Leslie Nielsen's like, I didn't know we were engaged. Yeah, I didn't know we were engaged. But also, and she also... She, she takes over the company and she automatically promotes him to vice president right and he doesn't like that he's no. like listen you know it's you're nepotism. promoting me without something that i've earned yeah and it, it really reeks of nepotism and i don't care for it and which again shows that he wasn't a bad guy no he really right? isn't but also she's kind of an idiot because if you've got a, a detective snooping around yeah you're acting super guilty. Yeah, big time. Right? Get, spend a couple of weeks in mourning. She has a car, a sports car delivered, mm -hmm. which, again, Columbo realizes that she had to order before the murder. Yeah. Right? She ordered it a couple months ago to get it delivered, and and, and he's like, interesting. So you, you kind of were... You know, she's like, I'm a new woman. He's like, it seems like you started becoming a new woman quite a while ago. Mm -hmm. Right? And so, again, he's picking up on little things. Yeah. Yeah. And she gets her hair cut in, like, this little flip-up style. She'd been wearing it kind of, like, demure pulled back. Yeah. Uh, so, it's it's this whole murderous makeover, basically, yeah. which I thoroughly enjoyed as a lover of makeover movies. So then we come to our third piece where now he's putting all the clues together. Right. So we've mentioned a couple. The newspaper was one. Yep. The car. The car. Uh, and also the fact that her lover, um, her possible fiance. Yeah, Peter. He was a witness and he tells Columbo something that's the key to solving everything. Yeah, he said that he heard as he pulled in and we saw this. As he pulled in, he heard the gunshot and the alarm going off. Mm -hmm. And Columbo says, you know, Mrs. Columbo said something to me the other night. She said, you're always putting the cart before the horse. Mm -hmm. And that's when it struck me that that's what happened here. And he said, you know, P Mr. Hamilton, Peter, you, you said you have a very good memory. And he's like, I do. And he's like, you told me that night that you heard the alarm or you heard the gunshot and then the alarm. Mm -hmm. and, and and he's like, is that the order? And he goes, yeah. And he goes, well, that's interesting because if he if if the brother broke in, the alarm went off, woke her up, and she shoots him as a burglar, then you would have heard the alarm, then the shot. But yeah. you heard the shot, then the alarm went off. 
And then he realizes, And that's when Peter too. realizes, too, that he, yes. And he kind of realizes what he's been dealing with with Beth and that she's a sociopath. The other, the thing that I really liked from this part, the nostalgic piece of this show, is that, like, this, this sarcastic, cynical, skeptical piece is that the music is ridiculous. Right. But that's going to be also um, the air so, and, and, and also the, the, uh, the, um shag carpeting in the salon right but what i really love from a nostalgic standpoint is that one of the biggest clues and the thing that made him know that something was wrong from the get-go was the fact of the newspaper and this is something that we wouldn't have today and actually even through most of my life growing up we didn't have because in our town we didn't have an evening edition that's true yeah and so what he says is I know that she says, oh, well, maybe it was from this morning. And, oh, haven't you ever heard of newspaper delivery? And he said, yeah, but this is the evening edition. They don't deliver the evening edition. And I know it's the evening edition because I was checking out the racetrack scores. So you would have an evening edition that would have things like sports scores and all the stock market prices and any events that had happened that were deemed important, like... Because the paper is printed at night. Right. So anything that happened that day that was like a breaking huge story would yeah. come in the evening edition. And it just, it was it was interesting to me because I forgot about the evening yeah. edition. And that wouldn't have been delivered. No, you had to you buy had to it. Buy, you had to pick it up. Yeah, the morning edition up. was delivered. Yeah. So I just thought that was my kind of my favorite part from that, from, from that piece of it. So he lays out all the clues. And he kind of sets her up to almost to shoot him yeah she pulls a gun on him yeah. she pulls the same gun on him and he uh he basically is like listen there's cops outside your fiance is is test is going to testify against you that you know what's the point you're gonna shoot you now you're gonna shoot me a cop with other cops outside yeah and so um basically and he's classy he lets her go get dressed to take all the time you need yeah Right, but now this is the interesting part. And I don't know if you caught this. He steps outside and lights a cigar, mm-hmm. right, which he smokes all the time, as we mentioned, right, yeah. kind of his signature. And it zooms, it pans out as it starts to play the credits and it goes away, right? Mm-hmm. It pans out. There's no cops outside. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, did he just bluff her? Yeah. And give her, get her to give him the gun, and That's there wasn't any cops. If if he I was gonna say too if he were Hercule Poirot he would have done that to let her do herself in yeah if he were Hercule Poirot he would have left he would have given her the gun back and been like just do what you need to do <laughs> Hercule Poirot in at least three stories that I've read yeah. gives somebody like some poison or a gun and is just like you know sometimes these things are better done by true you. justice is not necessarily legal justice <laughs> oh my gosh it's horrible horrible um. Anyway, so that ended the first episode yeah. that we watched. The second episode that we saw was How to Dial a Murder. How to and that dial was a from murder. the that was from the seventh season. Yeah. Which would have been seventy seven, probably. Seventy seven, seventy eight. Yeah, seventy seven, seventy eight. Yeah, so it, we've jumped a few years. Yeah, because we wanted to watch an earlier one and what I thought was a later one. The thing is that the other ones were from ABC. And I don't know if ABC owns the rights to the character anymore, so I'm not sure where those later episodes, like, 
if they're in limbo or I kind of yeah. didn't I didn't know. Yeah, this is another one so. we've mentioned before with somewhere. It's a bit early for our time frame, but I think Columbo still is good for this because it's something I remember from my childhood. You do remember Columbo. Yeah. And even though I remember probably the 88 to like 2000 run, yeah. It's the same character. Well, it right? also, it's the same type of show. It's the same type of mystery. I will say this, too. We have a lot of people listening to this show who are a little bit older Gen Xers. Yeah, Gen Xers. That still and we have remember. some boomers who listen to it as well. Yeah. So, and, and a few millennials yep. <laughs> here and there. Um, so let's get into it. What's the premise of this one? How did the murder start? So this murder we get to see at the beginning there's a psychiatrist, and he trains... He has two Doberman pinchers, which Dobermans were really big, if many people remember, in the early 80s, especially in mm-hmm. the 70s, yeah. as guard dogs. They were vicious. They're almost like today's pit bull. Right. Right? They were thought of as, like, the, the ultimate attack dog. He trains his Dobermans to attack somebody with the phrase Rosebud. Mm-hmm. He's a huge movie buff. The actual episode opens to, like... A bit of music as it pans through his like man cave, which is all movie yeah, and, paraphernalia. And actually, it opens with a shot that's copied after the shot from Citizen Kane. Right. So we start with the K on the gate, and mm-hmm. then we go into a snow globe, and then we see Rosebud on the wall. And you're kind of, if you've seen Citizen Kane, you're like, why are they mimicking the opening yeah. shots of Citizen Kane? Now, again, Having never seen this one, I thought maybe it would be somebody like Citizen, like Citizen Kane, but mm-hmm. but a murder of that per, of that wealthy right. person, like a Hearst per character, right? Yeah, yeah like a, yeah, like a Hearst character that that Citizen Kane is based off of. But no, um, and you see again in this first piece, I really like that you are seeing the setup to the murder, but at first you don't know what's going on. Right. Why has he got a dummy in his kitchen? Yeah. Why are the dogs attacking? <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. He basically trains his dogs that when they hear a phone ring, it kind of sets them on alert, and they run to the phone. Yes. And then he has a dummy set up next to the phone with a speaker, and he's kind of micro using a microphone to go through the speaker, and he says, Rosebud. And all of a sudden, they get super aggressive and tear this dummy to pieces. Yeah. Um, And so then, not long after that, we meet Charlie, his assistant. Hmm? He does like he's apparently this really famous psychiatrist that talks about control in people's lives and how words have meaning. Listen, this piece of it. So they show him doing a seminar. Yes. And then he goes and does a stress test. And while he's in the stress test, he he makes the phone call and, and, and basically so he can't be there when the murder happens, but he's orchestrating it. Right. Right. But my favorite part, my favorite part from this first piece is that he's doing this seminar. And here's the thing. Steve and I just watched The Vow not that long ago. And The Vow is based on, again, a psych- The Vow is a documentary series mm-hmm. based on a psychological cult, Nexium, run by this guy, Keith Raniere. And this is a psychological cult. Yeah. He is like... Words have power. Yeah, and he runs all, workshops. It's yeah. all word salad. If you listen to a little bit culty, that's what they call it. Yeah. It's words. It's nonsense. Yeah. He runs these workshops and he's like, think about words. 
and the power they have in your life and how you can use a word to change your life. And now we're all going to count together backwards from 100 so that we delay our gratification for eating lunch while we think about what word might define our life. We each have a secret word that only we know. And I'm like, oh, man. Yes, and it's such a cool thing. I just want to be like, Steve, I want to be like, where are the sashes? Yeah. Where are the sashes and what level is it? I think it might even... In this sense, I it might be modeled a little bit after Scientology. I was just say, did they go clear yet? Oh, yeah, I, I was, think yeah. that it's big time because this is the kind of thing that Scientology will run as like an intro, yeah. and then if you get through that and you're still on board, then you can you know go to the next thing. Then you can look at your Thetan levels, and then eventually you're in Sea Org and you don't know how you got on this boat. That's you know? true. Um, so that's the piece that I thought was interesting because I think it holds up. And I think it is very relevant to today. Um, I could also see something like this being on Monk. Like this is a this is a similar kind of plot to what would have been on Monk. Yeah, and you know it's interesting because Monk, with his extreme OCD from his trauma, right, of his wife's death, yeah, his wife's murder, um, Monk was a little bit of a updated Columbo. Yeah, a little bit. His OCD very often made people underestimate him. And again, think that he was kind of bumbling and a little bit. sometimes in that show you knew who did it. Not always, right. but sometimes. So then we come to uh, the guy. Oh, also, it's really gross that this guy listens to the murder on the phone. And he goes, he's like, yes. Yeah, he goes to a doctor and he sends his, his, his assistant, Charlie, to, who's also a doctor, but he's not as high up. You know, right. he doesn't have the high sash, apparently. Yeah. He sends him to go to his house. And he's like, we'll meet for tennis at my house afterwards. So he sends him early on purpose, calls his house from the doctor's office so that the phone rings. Mm-hmm. Right? Charlie goes to answer it. The dogs become alert. And then he... You know, ask Charlie, like, I've got a bet with this doctor. Like, what was the last word in Citizen Kane? Knowing that he's going to say Rosebud. Right. right. And then he asks him again to repeat that one more time. And the dogs just tear him to shreds. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, and he's like, yes. And I'm like, wow. Okay. Yeah. Like, you knew that was going to happen. Yes. So you're getting a little too excited. But he's very, like, you can see that in the first, in the first episode we watched, the woman who played Beth was like trembling as she held the gun. Yeah. You could see like, oh, maybe I shouldn't do this, but I'm going to, and I've got my resolve. This guy is full on in. Oh, he's a sociopath. She was 100%. not. A hundred percent. She's just kind of a narcissistic woman. Yeah. It was so silly and wants to shop. But yeah, this guy's full on. And while he's being killed, we find we we find out that there's a grad student that lives in the guest house mm-hmm. and she's in the swimming pool because it shows us that as yeah. it pans out and that is kim cattrell yes right this thing with Columbo's movies too is he has a lot of guest stars yeah because leslie nielsen was in the last one kim cattrell uh william shatner was in one well, it's very similar right we did a episode about after school specials yeah and it's very similar. It's under that same kind of umbrella category. And those would often have guest stars to try to, like, get crossover viewership. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, so Kim Cattrall is interesting here because she plays someone who she wants to have an affair with this doctor 
because she's kind of enthralled by she's part of the cult right okay let's just be frank about it and she's like an aspiring student who wants to be like him but also wants to be with him and he is not into it really but kind of is but you can tell he's manipulating he's all about control he's like i control my own space and my own body but he's also getting off on the fact that he can controls her yeah right by not by being her lover He's like holding her at arms and controlling the yep. whole situation. And she's she's the one he's the one in control as opposed to her, um, which is interesting and really uh, typically not how that happens. <laughs> usually, right. usually the cult leader controls a bunch of ladies, and that's how that's one of the things that brings them down. Um, so, what were some of the things that stuck out to you in the Columbo comes in and putting the clues together? Well, you know, he noticed, obviously he notices a lot of things from the beginning, right, mm-hmm. as he usually does, right? But we see him, it, when he first shows up, he's wandering through this man cave of all this mo- movie memorabilia, right? Which is awesome, Which is really way. cool. Yeah, I was like, ooh, that's some nice stuff. <laughs> no. um, and, you know, of course, touching things he's not supposed to. And it looks like he's more interested in that than the murder, mm-hmm. right? Um, again, and that's why I was noticed, like, he's like, Got his cigar. He's like smoking yeah. in this in this like almost museum of a room, right? He's tipping in the ashtrays and stuff like that. He wants to play with the pool table, which belonged to um, uh, it was the comedian that they had on the wall. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, W.C. Fields. W.C. Fields, right? Yeah. And it was his pool table, so he wants to do that too. So, but he starts to pick up on things like obviously right from the get go. It's kind of a homicide because he was murdered by the dogs, and they all know that. Right. Right. Um, Kim Cattrall's character came in when she heard him screaming and found the dogs attacking him, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but we fi- we open up, we find Columbo before he's even inside the house. We find him outside playing with the dogs. Yeah. Yeah. And he's tossing the ball around Play- to them. Playing with the dogs that just just murdered, murdered some guy. Um, so he obviously so you like that is kind of a hint right away that he realizes something's up. Right. These are not vicious dogs. No. Right. They haven't been trained to be attack dogs, as that anyone knows. Right. And they're not trying to attack him. No. They're playing a fetch. They're kind of being very obedient. Um, and so that kind of I think is the thing, kind of like the newspaper. Mm-hmm. was the first like domino for Columbo off. that something's off yeah. right and that makes him dig further yeah that part I thought was was cool so he goes because he goes to talk to a dog trainer and this for me is the highlight of the episode and possibly I haven't seen more than two but possibly the entire series because the the, the dog that's in the statue is also the show, okay? Yes. <laughs> and he goes to the dog trainer, and she's training dogs. It's showing how, oh, we can, I can make them jump and do this and do this and do this and, and a lot of different things. So attack. She, There's a man in like a in, yes. in, in an attack suit, you know, where a padded suit that dogs can like yes. attack. And and she t- she has a word that's like kiss mm-hmm. to attack, but kill is to kiss right so she's she's trained them uh with these words and he goes 
Now, 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 my my wife is is not sure about our dog. Can our, can any dog be trained? And she's like, oh yeah, any dog can be trained. Well, then he looks, he looks over to the car, and he's got. It's just we don't know exactly what kind of a hound dog it is, but the, the head sticking out. It's okay. a yeah. It's and here's the thing. So our dog Lucy is part hound. Yeah. She's black and tan coon. She's hound. a black and tan coon hound. Yeah. And this dog will not be trained. She will sit for a treat because she wants the food so badly. Hounds, hounds have phenomenal noses on them. They're phenomenal hunting dogs and great trackers. But they're also notoriously <laughs> stubborn. They're very stubborn. And also possibly not the brightest of the no. barrel. Now, I love our dogs so much. But the idea that she would be trained like one of these dogs, I had to pause you guys when we were watching this because I was laughing so hard. And then he pulls. The he dog. goes, "I'd like ours." He goes, "I worry about Mrs. Columbo. I'd like our dog maybe to be trained to be a, a, a protector dog." And he pulls out the saddest, wrinkly basset hound you've ever seen. It's so fat. And just sets it on the ground, it's... and now. As Megan just said, ba- you know, hounds in general, not the brightest. Basset hounds are really not bright. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. I, I once, to... I owned basset hounds as a kid, and one of them chewed its own tail off. Oh, oh that's just sad. Because it couldn't feel it, because it was in the cold. Oh, oh. But the point is, not bright. <laughs> that's so sad. That don't. That's such a sad story, and I don't mean to still be laughing, but the thing is, I wish... You guys have to go and watch this episode because when he pulls this dog out of the car, the look on the trainer's face, I legitimately was like, I don't know if it was written into the script that this would be this breed of dog. Mm -hmm. Because the look on this person's face is so genuine of like, what? And he goes, this is the only command it'll do. Watch this. Stay. Don't move. And the dog just goes, plop. I'm sorry. The dog just plops over in a heap. And the lady's like, I don't think your wife is going to be able to tell your wife to get an alarm. Is that what she says? Oh, my God. You got it's just, I was not expecting that level of humor from this show. Yeah. It was hilarious. It really, really was. He then, there's a scene, too, where he then visits the two dogs, the Dobermans, at the shelter. Yes, so they're kind of in a, in a like, a, at the, I thought it was the police station, right? Yeah, but it, I think it's the animal shelter. But they're like, you know, you don't have to put dogs in, a, in the jail. Right, right? Yeah. They're They're like at the animal control shelter. And so he goes, um, first off, he goes and he finds the psychiatrist trying to feed them chocolate. Which right. you feel like is this is poison because he's trying to kill these dogs. And he's, but then he offers one to Columbo, who doesn't take it. But then he eats one, so they weren't poison. Although we do know chocolate is not good for dogs. Which I'm I'm guessing, I'm guessing is part of the thing. That, yeah, like, maybe he's trying to what, make them sick or something. He was trying to, but like, and Steve goes, I think he's trying to get rid of the evidence. Right. Which is possibly what was going but, on there. But then the guard is played by a very young Ed Bagley Jr. 
that's who I was just trying to look up to remember his name. Ed Bagley Jr., who was, you you might know later in life, he was in A Mighty Wind. He was in Mm -hmm. Best in Show. A lot of those comedy movies that were done by the same group, like that did Spinal Tap originally. This is Spinal Tap, right? He's been in a lot of things, though. He's a character actor that's been in many things. Young Sheldon, more recently Amsterdam, Better Uh Call Saul. Yeah, a ton of stuff. ton of stuff. Um, and, and here he's the guard. So Columbo plays the tape that he had made yep. of him talking with our suspect, the cultish psychiatrist. Yeah. Who's Columbo, all about control. Columbo's figured out that there's a kill word that he must have used, but he needs to figure out what it is in order to catch him. Yeah. So he basically, he basically tape records a conversation with a psychiatrist so he can try to get as many words we're, as he can. Yeah, where they're playing a word association game. Right. That basically goes like this. I'm going to say a word and you hit me back, all right? Okay. So, like, knife. Turkey. Right. But you took too long, so right. I know that you had to think, right? So, yeah, the idea is this very old psychology idea, which probably would have been around in the 70s. That you could do word association and it would tell you something about your. If you force someone to answer quickly, they're going to answer the first thing that's on their mind. Right. So if you, if I say if I say knife and you say kitchen, right, then I know that you don't have murderous tendencies. But right. if I say knife and you say blood, I'm like, what? yeah. <laughs> right? So he plays this game with him, and my favorite piece of the game is that at he goes word game and. The psychiatrist taught the game to Columbo, so mm-hmm. he plays it with him first to say, oh, what word could be your word for what controls mm-hmm. your life? And then Columbo plays it with him. And the last clue is word game, and the psychiatrist goes, trap, mm-hmm. like that. So he, so you know at that point that he knows that Columbo's on to him. Right. And, um, and that makes the ending a really, I really liked the ending of this one mm-hmm. a lot. So, um, he plays this tape and it plays out and the dogs go crazy and he and the guard realize what's the word was, right? They rewind the tape again, play for him again. He also notices that the dogs are reacting to the telephone ringing. Yes. So. He he also figures out motive, which was that Charlie was sleeping with the doctor's wife. Who also... Who also died mysteriously in a car accident. In a car accident not long before. Now, for a long time in this episode, I thought that maybe Kim Cattrall was in on it and that she had helped murder the wife. But she... He does this interview with her where she's holding a teddy bear, even though she's like 25. Yeah, she's made to to look very... Very naive, right? And very innocent. Um, But she, like... Like the lover in the first episode we watched, she doesn't have anything to do with it. She's there's is not collusion, and in fact, he almost strangles her at one point because he finds out that she has a clue that that they were sleeping together. She yeah. knew that they were sleeping together, and he didn't think that anybody but himself knew that the psychiatrist. Right. So at any rate, then we come to the big reveal. Yeah, Columbo finally just lays the cards out on the table and accuses this guy, but does it where it's just him and the guy and the guy's two dogs. Yeah. Right? And and the straw dummy. Yeah, he, he has a straw dummy showing that he knows how the guy did this, right? Yep. And so the guy's like, oh, you're kind of clever, but you're not. 
and he basically says Rosebud and like basically tries to get the dogs to attack Columbo. Yeah. And they charge Columbo and jump up on him on the on the table mm-hmm. and start licking him. Yeah, and kissing him. And all kissing over. him. Yeah. And the guy's yeah. like dumbfounded. He's like, what? What? So now he's got caught trying to kill Columbo. Yeah. Right? Almost like the girl pulling the gun. Yeah. Right? But it didn't work because what? Columbo got the dog trainer to reprogram these Dobermans. Yes. So basically what happened, you see like a little bit of him going and talking to the dog trainer, but you think that maybe he's asking her questions again about why the dogs reacted mm-hmm. the way they did. But no, now that he found out the secret word, he had them retrained so that when they say when you say Rosebud, they kiss instead of kill. Yeah. And that just shows how nice dogs are. And that happens a lot with pit bulls too. I mean you mentioned pit bulls before, but pit bulls can be very lovely dogs oh yeah it's not the breed it's the it's it's how they're raised yeah and the 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 secret special word that runs their life right so what did the critics have to say about colombo so colombo um is is kind of interesting in the fact that colombo's colombo received numerous awards right really okay Uh, it was not really a critical kind of thing because it was it, it wasn't a TV show. It wasn't a movie, right? Right, But yeah. it received numerous awards um, from between 71 and 2005, the two runs of Columbo, mm-hmm. right? It won 13 Emmys. Really? It was nominated 35 times. Wow. Because probably mm. it's in the best TV movie category, right, for the Emmys? Um, it was in a lot of them. Outstanding single performance by an actress in a leading role. Okay. Um, outstanding writing achievement and drama. Outstanding writing. Outstanding series. Right? I mean, all sorts of different um, different ones. Uh, outstanding continued performance by an actor in a leading role. Right. Peter Falk. Right? Um, a lot of outstanding writings, things like that. Um, also won two Golden Globe Awards. Mm. It also won two Edgar Awards. Oh, which for is mystery. mystery. Yeah, makes right? sense. And a TV Land Award nomination in 2005 for Peter Falk. <laughs> That's great. After they were done with the runs. That's great. For, like, Lifetime Achievement? Yeah. Awesome. So a lot of awards for this. So, guys... And a statue. Yeah, and a statue in Hungary. <laughs> right? Of him and the Basset Hound yeah. from Dial, uh, from How to Dial a Murder. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if the Basset Hound shows up more often than that. So funny. I love the Basset Hound oh. so much. So that's what the critics thought. What are your thoughts? I, I you know, I like, again, detective fiction's my thing. I like detectives. I like detective stories. Uh, it, it touched me as a kid. Does it hold up? You know, there were certain things that were dated, like the poli- like the cars, right? Like uh, the the telephone call, the telephones, right? Um, or even even for instance, as we decided, the shag carpeting in the right. in the hair salon, right? Mm-hmm. But the premise of Columbo holds up. Mm-hmm. You could modernize this and still do Columbo today. Yeah, right, because. Him as a character and the the method in which he figures out and deduces things, right, could still be done today just 
with an upgraded environment. I don't want them to, though, because nobody can beat Peter Falk. No, nobody at all. <laughs> and if they tried to update it, it would just be dreadful. I Yeah, the, the phone call thing we didn't talk about, but one of the big clues in this second episode that we watched is, again, a nostalgic thing that he, there are two phones in the house. One of them had a certain type of busy signal. Yes. And that said to Columbo that that phone had been taken off the hook. Right. And and so if you had had, like, we don't have busy signals typically. Also, the, today they could have just called her ID and he would have known that, that right. the guy had called from the doctor's they, office. They also, the, another clue too was that the stress test, his heart rate went up during exactly. the time of the murder. Yep. Um, so. But Peter Falk but is again, Columbo. You could have, but you could have, uh caller id and you could have or you could have a fitbit and be like oh your fitbit data said that your heart rate went up yeah i I don't think you know peter falk passed away in 2011 yeah and so you couldn't do it without him really and i think that shows in the fact that as we mentioned they tried to do a spinoff in between these two mrs columbo Mm -hmm. with um kate mulgrew kate mulgrew who a lot of you know from star trek voyager right she played captain janeway Mm -hmm. um and she played columbo's wife who was also kind of doing mysteries and things, but it wasn't the same, no. right? It was not nearly as successful as Columbo. Yeah. Um, and so I just think that uh, it, it really does hold up. I think the the way that it's the detective stories are told with him is good. He brings humor. He brings, um, like this, every man quality to a detective, which I really enjoy. Um, and so with that being said, I'm going to give it a nine. Okay. Steve. You and I are three in a row. What? Yeah. No. Now you're I, just copying. No, no, me. I'm not copying you for real. Um, I, you can check my notes later. I gave this a nine as well. I was between an eight and a nine, but then I went with a nine because I do like the nostalgia factor. I think you're right. It, it the the storylines hold up, and the parts that don't that are dated are really dated in a nostalgic way. There is the right amount of humor sometimes. Sometimes shows like this struggle in finding the right tone. Mm-hmm. And you have shows like Monk or Psych that are really more comedy and, you know, mystery. And this is like mystery with a little bit of comedic relief. Yes. I liked, I don't really like Cat and Mouse typically mm-hmm. um, because I like the mystery of figuring out who did it. But I thoroughly enjoyed watching him put the clues together and even like why are they doing it the motive is often hidden so you're trying to figure how did they come up with this plan how's he gonna find the crack in their plan it was really enjoyable i really i thought i highly i highly enjoyed it and i really was not looking forward to it because i thought it would be um slow okay i did not find it slow at all and a lot of shows from the 70s are slow and these were Typically for a TV show, like like you said, double the length, right? So the one yeah. we watched was an hour 27. It, it felt like it was 45 yeah, minutes. Yeah, it went quickly, yes. It went very quickly. So yeah, other than some fishmaltzy music and crazy outfits in some cases. Um, so... Yeah! Nine, Nine raincoats, raincoats out of, out of ten. ten. Wow. 
nine out of ten for Colombo. And four and out of five this raincoats was a good week. for chocolate cigars. Chocolate cigars got four out of five and Colombo got nine out of ten. This is a good week, Steve. It was a good week. It was a very good week. Um, will we like Clue as much? I remember not caring for it that much. But it is another comedy mystery, so we don't have what is Steve willing to watch this week. Mwah, mwah, mwah. I'm That's so sad. true, because we know what I'm going to watch next week. Oh, actually, okay, actually, as I'm talking, it might even be up already for people listening, but we do have... What is Steve willing to watch? Steve. Oh, boy, I thought I got out of it this week. So last March, for a bonus, we did Leprechaun. Yes. For St. Patrick's Day. So... If you didn't hear it, go back and listen to it. There is a leprechaun-themed um, Rankin and Bass. that It's, like, from the 60s, though. Mm. So we could do that, or we could do, like, a spring break movie. Okay. So we have... Um, what What are your thoughts for a spring break movie? Because I did not list any before this. Um, hmm... Like something maybe where they're at the beach. I don't want to watch beaches. And we're not doing beaches. <laughs> beaches uh, is too sad and schmaltzy. That's like a, what I watch with my mom. From the 80 Weekend at Bernie's? Oh, that would be a good one because it is like... I haven't watched that in is a it long a spring, time. It, I don't know if that's spring break or summer, I but remember, I think that that would be fun. It's beachy and it's kind of, yeah. It's fun. There's a dead body. It's not really a mystery, but maybe it kind of is. I don't remember much about it other than they carry a dead body all over the place. Yeah. And there's a sequel where there's voodoo involved, which we talked about last time. So that's probably why it came up in your mind. So that's what Steve's willing to watch. That will be our bonus, which is now on Patreon. Yes. So if you want to watch our bonuses, or or, I'm sorry, listen to our bonuses... You can't watch us. No. Um, but if you want to listen to our bonus episodes now, you can do it on Patreon and our archives. We're going to start putting archives We're going on. to start archiving stuff, yeah. So all of our bonus episodes from last season will also be up on Patreon. And, and in the future, our plan is coming quickly that in future months, the bonuses um, will... will s- the, the fourth week... So yeah. we have a cycle right now where we watch a cartoon, a TV show, and then a movie, right? Yes. And so our thought was to have a little more listener involvement that the fourth week of the month um, could be a listener's choice. Yes. And that we'd have a poll up on Patreon. So we're going to have a poll for next month, and our theme is superhero shows. Yeah. So, so if you want to help choose what our fourth week and for our show for, is going to be, I'm going to say this too, for the first poll, because we're still trying to build s- some of the supporters on Patreon, mm-hmm. we are going to put it on our social media for the poll. Okay. Um, as well for the first couple months, and then it'll just be exclusive to Patreon. Yeah. So, um, so you can have a little bit of say in what we watch and you can kind of play along at home a little bit and have the bonus stuff too. All right. That's what's coming up. Uh, That's it for this week. I'm Megan. And I'm Steve. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks. Mm